Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 76, The Mystery of the Rapture, Part 1. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Welcome once again to Bible Mysteries. I'm Scott Mitchell, and I'm here with... Zena, are you guys ready to swallow the red pill? I think they're going to be ready. We're going to swallow an interesting pill tonight. Okay. Zena, so we, you know, we, of course, in the Bible are many unusual mysteries. So we've mm-hmm. talked about weird things like giants and angels and UFOs. Um, we're going to get into something this week that's a little bit more theological and, um, you know, it, I, I debated whether or not it's, should this be in the realm of Bible mysteries, but it, it's, it's a mystery. Okay. And it's part of the Bible, so why not? And we're going to call this the mystery of the rapture. Now, you ever heard that term, the rapture? I have. What, what has that been in your Christian experience? What, is, what have you known that to be? Um, that is when Jesus comes down and he gets us all and he takes us to safety. Yeah, that's that's, that's a, kind of, or I think like <clears throat> I've heard the word rapture with you, but the another word that I've heard is and I'm probably going to butcher this Armageddon. Is that it? Is that what uh yeah, you might be thinking of the term Armageddon. There we go, that okay. one. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one where I'm like that's so that's the word that was used yeah. um to signify that, you know, the days are at the end, yeah. and it's time for us to skedaddle. Wow, that's good. You know, it's interesting you bring that that term, Armageddon, because I think that's somewhat typical of a lot of Christian thinking. Okay. That there's an event that they call the rapture that they may equate with the last days of Armageddon. Mm-hmm. And in reality, what we're going to find out in the scriptures is that they're two separate events. Okay. Divided by at least seven years. And uh, yeah, we're going to try to see if we can find the proof of that in scripture, because there are some people that believe in no rapture at all. And actually there's Christians that don't believe in any final Armageddon. Uh, There's an entire line of thinking that that says that the entire book of Revelation was just symbolic uh, and it was um, not fictional, but what's the word I want? It it was just meant to be like um, cryptic and mythical and not really a true thing that's going to happen. Now, that's a very small group of Christianity that thinks that way, but they they are uh, referred to by some term as, uh, some would term it amillennial, which means they don't believe in the literal second coming of Jesus Christ in the thousand-year reign on the earth. And then <clears throat> when it comes to the event we call the rapture, uh, they are, are people that go into camps of either that one, amillennial, it, it's not going to happen, it doesn't even exist, Okay. or premillennial or whatever, premillennial or mid-trib, or they have all these terms, you know. And premillennial would mean it's going to happen before Christ returns. 
And then, you know, then they, then they get into the, if you look at the seven years of tribulation in the Bible, some say it happens at the beginning, some say it's in the middle, and some say it's at the end. So there's a lot of, there's as many theories about it as there are theories about the method of baptism or yeah. you name it, you know. So we're, we're going to try to discuss it, <clears throat> excuse me, because, you know, I do get a lot of emails and some, most of the emails are overwhelmingly positive, but sometimes people want to debate an issue here or there. And lately, I've gotten more about the rapture than I normally get, and I thought, well, maybe the Lord's trying to tell me something. Yeah, he's like, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about it. So we're going to start with a passage, and, and I'll just tell you right up front, I believe in the rapture. I don't believe it's a modern invention of you know the late 19th or early 20th century um, theologians at all. Some argue that it was. It's been in the Bible for 2,000 years. And um, I believe that it was written to us clearly at that time, and we lost, perhaps, the understanding of it. But, you know, when you think about it, and we think about the history of the Christian church and all the ups and downs and yeah. all the things that have happened, you know, the first believers, even though I believe the doctrine of the rapture was put in the New Testament, mm -hmm. um, the first believers, that was not their greatest concern. If it was going to be 2,000 years away, what they needed to know was the beginnings of the foundations of the gospel. And, and of course, they were being persecuted, so they were running for their lives. Yeah. So they had far more pressing concerns than sitting around debating the rapture. <laughs> and then if you, if you fast forward to like the end of the so-called Dark Ages, where a lot of knowledge was sort of locked up in the Vatican and it was all in Latin and people didn't know it, mm -hmm. when we finally began to um, get the Bible published in other languages and ultimately when the English world got the King James Bible... Um, their greatest need was to get truth back out to the common man. Uh, because even then, if, that we've, if we say, if we mark that year as like 1611, when the first King James Bible was printed, um, you, the greatest need of those Christians was not to know about the rapture. Yeah. You know, their greatest need was uh, the, they were having persecution of one big church system trying to prevent the world to know it in their languages because they said it could only be in Latin. And then uh, the persecution that came from that and then to spread it once it became known and get it in the hands of as many people as possible. And it created an explosion of evangelism at that time. So their greatest need was also not the end times. So I think if we are approaching the end times, our greatest need is to know about the end times. Yes. You know, so I, I think most people would agree with that. So, it, and if we're wrong about the timing of things, it just means I'm wrong and that doesn't mean the Bible's wrong. You know? Yeah. So I do think we're approaching the end times based on all the many things we've discussed so far on this podcast, you know, with the World Economic Forum, Agenda 2030, mm -hmm. the coming um, crazy communistic push and everything else. So today we're going to get into a less, less of the realm of the weird, crazy conspiracy <laughs> and more in the realm of just looking at the scriptures. And we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 15 because we've talked about heaven in the past. Yes. And we know that we're not going to go there in these bodies, no. thankfully. You know, now yeah, maybe if I was twenty again and I was more fit, I might say, well, uh, I might want to hang on to this body. Yeah, you know, God. <laughs> but now that I'm approaching sixty, I'm like, no, I'm ready to trade up. <laughs> <laughs> he wants an upgrade. And the good news is we're going to because in First Corinthians 15 and verse 50 we read this by the Apostle Paul. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, 
neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So we're not going there in these, but something's going to have to change. And then he says, behold, I show you a mystery. And this is why the reason for the title of today's episode is the mystery of the rapture. Mm -hmm. Now, the word rapture, by the way, Zena, and most listeners probably may not know this, it's not in the Bible. Okay. Why is that? Uh, it's just not a word that was used back then. And that's sometimes used as an argument against the doctrine. Okay. But there's plenty of words that aren't in the Bible that we use today that are true. You know? Okay. It's a different English term they used for the event. And, the, and it's not here, but the term they use is called caught up. Okay. Caught up. And that comes from a Greek word. And I think if I'm not mispronouncing it, it's harpazo. And it means to, to seize quickly, like to take it by force, like to snatch it. Now, what's interesting is... Um, have you ever watched a hawk grab a squirrel? Yeah, those things know? are like... Yeah, and, and they just lightning fast, you know. Yes. I mean, they're up there watching, they see, oh, there he is, and then boom, they swoop down and get it. And those kinds of birds, birds of prey, eagles, hawks, falcons, are called raptors. Ooh. Now, we think of like Jurassic Park, yeah, right, the raptors. But the term raptor is applied to any animal that quickly seizes the prey. Okay, and it's a it's a violent taking and it's fast. So the, the hawks are raptors. Okay. So it's from the same root as the word rapture. It's a taking by force. It's a fast, quick, you know, removal. Yeah. Right? And so in fact the root, uh, you know, not to be crude, but the root of the word is rape. You know, so rapture, it comes from that in the, in the original. So uh, we're talking about something where it's going to be snatched out of the way in the nick of time. Uh, that's the whole idea behind it. So when he says, behold, I show you a mystery in verse 50, we shall not, uh, 51 now, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. And that word moment there is actually the original Greek word is atom, A-T-O-M. Really? And so you know what an atom is, right? Yeah, we got, we're made we got, up of atoms. Right, right. And I, I'll... I'm sure I'll mess with every scientist that is going to think I'm an idiot, but I know that we, we, we keep going smaller. We've got cells made up of molecules made up of atoms, right? Yes. Is, is, do I have the order right of size? <laughs> so, yes, so you have cells, molecules, Yes, atoms. Atoms, atoms and, are and, the smallest. And there's smaller particles than atoms, yes. right? There's protons and neutrons and whatever, and then there's quarks and who knows what. But just for my mind, at least, uh, <laughs> at the time when they discovered atoms, they named it atom because it, in Greek it's the smallest divisible amount. Okay. Now, later on, as telescopes got more powerful and whatever, they discovered the other things. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but so atom was used. Well, the word for moment is atom. In a moment, like in the smallest divisible amount of time. I like that. Yeah. So we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. I don't even know how you measure that. You know? Your <laughs> eyes do twinkle a lot, though. I really? must say. Yeah. I just think it's your nature. Uh, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So he says nothing about how it's going to happen. He mm -hmm. just says that it will. Okay. In a moment. 
in the twinkling of an eye. And you know what is something funny? Um, I know a preacher in Chattanooga, Tennessee, who has a church. And they have a nursery for the babies. And the sign on the nursery says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. (laughs) I know, babies, gosh. (laughs) The different change, of course. Right, right. got to change those pampers. That's right. So I thought it was a pretty funny sense of humor (laughs) thing. But uh, he's talking about this mystery is that one day we're all going to be changed in this instant, whatever that Adam time is, and we're going to put on immortality. We're going to put on those bodies that we will go to heaven with. Wow. Yeah. And so the change takes place like that. Now, compare that to, if I gave you this term, I want you to tell me what comes to your mind, Zena. The word is resurrection. Jesus coming back. Jesus coming back. From the dead. From the dead. Okay, good. And then so um, what about, will anybody else ever be resurrected? Yes, mm-hmm. in the rapture. That's true. Okay, that's exactly right. How about, are there, have you ever read or in your studies of Scripture yourself or in, in any of your upbringing, have you ever read about of the resurrection of the dead in general, like coming up out of the graves? No. Not zombies, but, but glorified bodies? No. Nothing actually, about that? No, I have not. That's actually. amazing. There is so much in the Old Testament about that. Really? There's an entire chapter that talks about Israel coming up out of their graves in their day. And they're going to, they're going to, they're all bones. They're just bones in the ground. And then they stand up as bones and the skin comes back and the flesh and the whatever. And then they go into their land again. And there's a song written about that. And they usually sing it at Halloween. You ever heard about the, you know, the shin bones connected to the knee bone and the knee bone? I thought that was just the, the, um, thus say the the word of the Lord. Oh, yeah. no, I'm thinking of the bone song. It is the bone song. Them bones, oh, them bones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> and it comes from Ezekiel chapter 38, I, I want to say. I, I, let me make sure I say that right so I don't get a, a so nasty note. Like, eh, <laughs> I think it's Ezekiel 38 or 37. Uh, let's see, 38. Verse 1. No, 37. Okay, 38 is Gog and Magog. So 37 is uh, the Spirit of the Lord was upon me, and I went to the Valley of the Full of Bones. So that song comes from this chapter. Wow, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. And so most of Israel, if you would say that we're talking about like the faithful people of God in Israel, they looked for the day when this would happen, the resurrection, the resurrection. And they would come up out of the graves, put on the new bodies, and go into their land. The land of promise, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, it never occurred to them that there would be a moment and people would disappear and go to heaven and be with the Lord. That was as foreign to them as you eating food from some country you never heard of. Very you true. know, yeah. <laughs> right? So um, Paul was the first one to reveal that that wasn't going to be the only resurrection. I love the way you put it a minute ago. Like when I said, what comes to your mind about resurrection? I said, like in the rapture. (laughs) (laughs) Because it will be a resurrection for those that had already died. Yeah. And it's not going to be Israel's resurrection, but it's going to be the rest of us. Okay? So Paul writes about that in the book of Romans, and it's chapter 13. And and he writes it in a very interesting way. And uh, my plan, I'm going to tell you now, but for the listeners as well, is to make this a single episode, and I'm going to go into a series that we're going to need to follow up with this, because, and it may be like three parts. Okay. Because um, the ones that want to dismiss the idea of the rapture, or even debate the, the, the idea of the rapture, 
in my opinion, are starting from a faulty premise already because what they don't know to even have the proper discussion about it is that we live in something called the dispensation of grace. And too many Christians have taken things that are specifically for Israel, just like that passage I told you about in Ezekiel. 37 about the bones. Yeah. And it's literally a resurrection for Israel specific to them. And they take it in the, out of its context and they apply it to us today. And they say, we're the church. We replaced Israel. We're now God's people. Well, we are God's people, but we didn't replace Israel. Israel is Israel. They yeah. will always be. So when you assign those blessings to yourself, it's like me stealing and reading your mail. You know? Well, that's rude. You know, Zena got a, a notice from... Um, uh, Steve Harvey that said, you may have already won a million dollars, you know, from Publishers Clearinghouse. <laughs> and I take it and I go to Steve and I say, hey, I want my money. And he's like, baby, you're not Zena. Sorry. <laughs> you know? So that's what's happening is we don't rightly divide the word of truth to know what's meant for us and what's meant for Israel. So we're going to do a whole series on that to follow this up. Okay. But in Romans chapter 13, Paul wrote this in verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep... For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now, salvation is another one of those words I need to clarify for the listeners. What comes to your mind if somebody said salvation to you? What does that mean to you? I hear crickets chirping. Yeah? I'm not, I mean. Is it a term you've heard used in your experience? I've heard the word used, Mm -hmm. never knew what it meant. I think most Christians would agree with that. That they don't really know. Because we say things like, are you saved? You ever had anybody yeah. ask you that? Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, are you asking him, am I baptized? Yeah. Like, it's an unclear, it's an ambiguous yeah. word, right? But it's not ambiguous in the Bible. It means something very specific. And we've actually talked about this before, but for the sake of our listeners, salvation means saved from the coming wrath. Yeah, nope, didn't remember that. I bet that was never shown you. It wasn't shown me either growing up. Okay. You know, it was like, are you saved? Are you saved? And then it just becomes like this buzzword. Yeah. And then we just repeat it back without even giving any thought. What does that actually yeah. mean? I'm saved. But how am I saved? Yeah. I remember to asking a young man one time, uh, you know, if he was saved. And he, he struggled to answer it because he said he was, he was honest with me. Yeah. It's like, so, well, I believe you got to die daily. And I said, okay, well, what does that mean? Yeah. And, and he kept going round and round, and he was saying some really interesting things. Yeah. He was saying some Bible truths that he'd learned, but it, it didn't answer the question. Oh, poor you know? guy. He's oh, like, he was a sweet just... guy. <laughs> yeah. He was a sweet guy, but he was very honest and open, and I appreciated that about him. And, and we ultimately got to the point where he says, I, I don't really know what that means. Yeah. And I was like, good, now we can start. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, goodness gracious, now that we've, uh, we're done going on the circus wheel, let me tell you what it's called. But I had to ask him so that he could tell me what was on his heart. Yeah. And then I could say, okay. And then so what he was able to reveal was he didn't have a confidence in understanding that concept. And then I said, okay, what if I told you that it meant save from the coming wrath? Well, now there's something specific I can hang my hat on. You know? Yeah, And then we could get to the point where I would ask him about his day of salvation, his moment of realization. Oh, yes, I believe in Christ. I accept him as Savior. And we could get to that point. But religion has sort of obscured that with all these 
functions and processes and ordinances and rituals that we do. Yeah. So where you even you were even honest enough to say just now, or are you asking him, am I baptized? Because that's a ritual. Yeah. But does it mean you're saved? You know, I mean, th- then we get into all that stuff. And so the it's the truth is obscured. Yeah. Well, it's seen that if you aren't baptized, then you aren't a Christian. Some say that. Yeah. Yeah. And I can say I have not been baptized. Yeah. Just because I was taught um, with being a Jehovah Witness that when you become <laughs> baptized, that you are immersing yourself in that religion and you're taking that next step. One of the reasons why I didn't become baptized was because I didn't want to become a Jehovah Witness. Yeah. And and I got baptized accidentally in a church I wasn't even a member of. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a story I'll tell sometime. But it was just sort of like I was going somewhere else, and I saw people, and they were saying, go on, you know, and they, I kind of got that pressure to walk oh, forward. Oh, right. You know? You're like, ah, <clears throat> yeah. no. <laughs> so, but, and so they did the event of the baptism at, at some point, but I didn't know what a Christian was. Yeah. Nobody sat me down and said, do you understand? And this, you know, it was nothing. So um, I have never been baptized for salvation, but I got wet in a Baptist church once. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and it meant nothing to me at the time, but I thought it did, you know. So Paul is talking about our salvation is nearer than when we believed, meaning the day when the Lord is going to take us away from the wrath. And since we're going to see in these passages that we're delivered from that wrath, the mechanism by which he delivers us is the rapture. The whole purpose of the rapture is to take us from the wrath that's coming. Because why would God punish us with the wicked? We're his saints. That's true. You know, we are, in fact, we're in the way of his wrath. The reason why the wrath hasn't fallen yet is because we're still here. Mm-hmm. He's going to take us out first, and then the wrath will fall. So that's what people don't understand, that salvation is every bit tied to the rapture, because it, it means everything to it. You know. Now he says, uh, the night <clears throat> is far spent, the day is at hand. Now the first thing I imagine is, there's old Paul riding late into the night with a candle, you know, <laughs> and it's the wee hours of the morning, 3, 3 a.m. or something. I wonder what he's riding with. Did they have, I know they didn't have pencils mm-hmm. and pens back, they did? No, they didn't. They had, uh, they wrote on something called papyrus, which was a plant that they pressed into what we would call paper. Oh. And, or they wrote on vellum, which were basically animal skins. And then they wrote with um, ink and uh, they didn't have a pen, but they used something called a quill. And it was basically a feather. Okay. And feathers are hollow bones. Mm -hmm. So you could dip a quill into ink and it would absorb a little bit of ink into the little hollow bone of the, of the quill. And then they would, and it it was an art because if I did it, it would just be a blob. Yeah. It would be a Rorschach's inkblot, you know, (laughs) but when these, and that's why they were called scribes because they could skillfully handle the quill or the whatever. And they would write the words that were dictated to them. So Paul probably uh, knew how to write his name maybe, but he probably didn't write all the letters. He had a scribe do that for him. Okay. And he's saying that the night is far spent, the day is at hand, and he doesn't mean it's late in the night and I'm writing a letter. He means, spiritually speaking, the night is far spent, and the day of the Lord is at hand. And the day of the Lord is when he comes back. Okay. Okay. So he says, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So as saved individuals, we're children of light. And it's kind of like he's saying, hey, wake up, stop goofing around, 
you know, whatever you're pursuing, ask yourself, is it more important than doing the work that the Lord's called us to do because the day is at hand? It's time to get up and wake up and do something. So uh, if we go to Romans chapter 5 in the same epistle that Paul wrote, he said something, and this is he says it many times, but we're just going to read this one. But God commendeth his love toward us, Romans 5, 8, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Shall be saved. That's future tense, right? Mm-hmm. Shall be saved. So Paul knew he was saved judicially. He trusted Christ as a savior. He expected to die and go to be with the Lord. But when he says save from wrath through him, he's saying the wrath is a future event, and I will never experience that Yes, because of Jesus. So same for us. And it's important that we start with that because if we say we're, there's no rapture, then, we're, then someone, someone of us are going through the wrath. And if we're saved, why would we go through the wrath? That would defeat the whole point of him writing that or saying that. Now, I do have a question. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that this is clear. There is only one rapture, correct? Only one rapture for the church, yeah. Okay. There are types of it in the Bible. We've, I doubt you'll remember this because we, we spoke about it so long ago, but there was a man who lived way, 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 way back there, like in the time shortly. He was a, a, a near relative of Adam. Okay. So it was before Noah. And his name was Enoch. And he went to heaven just like without dying. The Bible said he was and he was not, and he was translated because God took him. So I believe he was a picture of a rapture. So I I can't definitively say he experienced the rapture Mm -hmm. in his own time. I can say that I think he's a picture of what would happen to tell us, because everything is a type, right? Examples. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there there were others that went to heaven without dying, too. Uh, um, Elijah went to heaven in a chariot. A fire, <clears throat> yeah, and and he didn't die. So um, you know, there's clearly a precedent of people going to heaven without dying, and the event of the rapture is going to f- take the ones who are already dead first, and that'll be their resurrection. Uh, and then if it happened, let's say tonight, and we were still alive, then we would go to heaven without dying, like Enoch or like Elijah. You know? Wow. How did like to think about not dying? Blows my mind. I know. And when you think about it, that's what Paul meant in that phrase, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Yeah. Because sleep in certain instances is a euphemism for death. Mm-hmm. You know, people, David, when David lay, fell asleep and he was laid with his fathers, meaning where his bones were buried, his, his ancestors. So he fell on sleep. Well, he died. You know, he gave, he just died. He got too old. And so when he died, they, they call that going to sleep. Because if they're going to be resurrected someday, in a sense, it's like sleep. Mm-hmm. They're not literally sleeping in a grave. They're, they're dead. But one day, those bones are going to come up like Ezekiel, and they'll come together again and walk into the land. So it's referred to, and I think it was done so, um, I, I guess, almost... Um, um, I can't think of the word I wanted. I just had it in my head. Uh, Poetically, yeah. Poetically as sleep, as a euphemism for death. Mm -hmm. Now, so we're delivered from wrath, but that doesn't mean there would never be tribulation. Now, what is tribulation? So the root of the word tribulation, Zena, is trouble. 
Okay. So think of trouble, and it's like, uh, from the standpoint of the Christian, persecution. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Affliction for what you believe, you know, being crucified or being put to death, you know, thrown to the lions in the Colosseum, whatever, you know, or just beaten for belief. Um, in certain Muslim countries, you can be put to death for being a Christian today. Wow. In China, you can be arrested for being a Christian, you know, and they are, you know. So not all Christians have freedom to worship, you know. It's banned in some countries. Hard to imagine. And it's coming here. I believe there's a, I believe there's a day when we're going to be banned for worshiping God in America. It's happening now. Wowzers. It's actually happening now. Uh, what's really under attack is, like I said, we've discussed this before, the left-right paradigm. Mm -hmm. That's a distraction. As long as the devil sees the left and the right fighting each other, they're not paying attention to what he's doing. And so while they're fighting, oops, <laughs> while they're fighting, he's moving through the satanic global elite in the political world to basically erase our liberty to worship. That's what's happening. Yeah. So tribulation is persecution, suffering for Christ. And Paul wrote, uh, the same apostle wrote in Acts chapter 14, uh, after getting actually persecuted himself, he went to some city, he preached there, he went to another city, and the ones from the city he just left didn't like him. So they traveled to the city he went to, and they found him, and they stoned him to death. And they left him for dead, thinking he was dead. But he actually got up, so he wasn't dead. He was probably racked with pain. Yeah. Yeah, and bruised and broken and what have you. But he went, and he got up, and he went to the next city, and he preached. And then he went back to those same cities that he just left and reaffirmed the souls of the believers. Yeah. And look what he says in chapter 14, verse um, 20. After they stoned him and supposing he was dead, howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby, another city. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra 
and to Iconium and to Antioch, the cities where the people came to beat him and kill him, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. So there's never been a time when the church hasn't been in tribulation. There's been persecution and afflictions and sufferings for 2,000 years. There's an event that people refer to as the tribulation or the great tribulation, and we've used those terms before. And that's referring to those seven years in particular and coming in the future. But that's not to say that there hasn't been any tribulation except for that which is coming. Mm -hmm. But tribulation is not the same as wrath. Tribulation is Satan and men persecuting believers. The wrath is God revenging the the believers and and punishing the wicked. Yeah. Okay. So tribulation, yes, we'll go through that. Wrath, no, we're delivered. Delivered from the wrath to come. And if he had just said it one time, we could have said, well, you're taking liberties with that. Well, let's see a few other passages about that. Okay. So in a letter that Paul also wrote to a city called Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, he said, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Now, we're going to see that the 12 apostles, which were Jews, when they asked Jesus about the wrath, and they said, When will this be and what are the signs? He told an entire chapter's worth of information of what to look for. So how could it be that Paul would say, of the times and the seasons, you have no need that I write unto you? If they were going to go through it, they would have every need that he write to them. So that means there's only one explanation. He doesn't need to write to them about it because they're not going through it. These believers are delivered from the wrath. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety... Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. Keep that in the back of your mind, travail upon a woman with child. We're talking about labor, okay? going into labor. So that term is going to show up several times in the Bible, and it always refers to Israel in tribulation. Okay. In that special time of tribulation. And we're going to find out that one of those times... Um, in the Bible, excuse me, that same time, one of those terms in the Bible that's used for it is called the time of Jacob's trouble. Hmm. Jacob is Israel. Okay. Just his original name was Jacob. And trouble, tribulation. So you could say the time of Israel's tribulation. Well, there's something unique to Israel about that, you know? And so why would God need us here if we're not Israel? There you Very go. True. So he says, uh, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them all as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, the, the Christians to whom he writes, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And he's comparing light and darkness as like darkness as in the you know, wickedness and light as good. And he says, uh, therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Now here, he means sleep in the sense of you're just not aware of what's going on. You know, you have, like, you have, hey, wake up. You know, somebody tell you, and you're yeah. not asleep. You're just not paying attention. You're just you know? very zoned out. <laughs> He's using it that way. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. That's no longer true. 
people get drunk at any time of the day they now. They do. <laughs> but back then it wasn't so easy. For uh, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So there's another reference to being delivered from wrath mm-hmm. through a salvation mechanism where we're going to live together with him. There's like a gathering. So go to Amos, because what we got to understand is the wrath that's coming, and we've talked quite a bit about this, so we're going to look at three different passages, some of which we've never read before, but others we have. The day of the Lord is when he physically comes back to the earth with an army to avenge Satan and his angels Mm -hmm. and all that. So... um, we're going to, instead of just thinking, oh, I can't wait till Jesus comes back on the white horse, like it's going to be a big party. It's a bloodbath. Yeah, no it, party. <laughs> it's not a party at all, because he's coming to avenge the blood of all his saints and to destroy the wicked. And so we're just going to read a few of the passages, because everybody that's saying, oh, if Jesus, come on, come on, Jesus, come quickly. They're like, what they really mean is they want the rapture yes. to take us out. Because seven years later, this is what happens. Verse 18 of Amos 5. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. You ever heard that phrase, woe, woe unto you? That means, boy, I I feel sorry for you. I wouldn't want to be you. (laughs) If you are the one that's going to be there, you're going to be in terrible shape. What end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. (laughs) Can you imagine Running away from a lion. Just to get... Escaping him, <laughs> and then turn, running into a grizzly bear. You're like, wow. <laughs> That's the worst luck I've ever heard of. Or uh, a man went into the house and leaned on his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Like, you're thinking, I'm in the house, I'm safe, thank God. And then a snake bites you, right? You're like, wowzers. So shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? So there's nothing good about the day of the Lord when it opens. It's good when the Lord comes back, but it's coming with a with a with a vengeance. You know, mm-hmm. it's coming with an army. And then in the book of Isaiah, chapter 13, and I think this is a passage we read before, verse 6. Howl ye. You know what it means to howl, right? <laughs> or howling of from pain or anguish, just mm-hmm. crying from for like, you know, uh, being grieved. How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, as if to say, I can't even, I can't move. I can't even lift my hands. I'm so scared. Um, and every man's heart shall melt. Just everyone turns into just a simpering baby. Even even the rock, you know, he's this big guy, right? <laughs> Not afraid of anything. He will turn into a puddle of mush if he were here to see the Lord. Mm-hmm. And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travails. A lady in labor. A lady in labor. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Because the Lord comes back with fire. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened, and is going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. You know, when you pulled up today to record, there's a full moon out there right now. 
It's I a, didn't even see really? it. Really? Well, you know, I find I do that a lot too. Like I'm so focused on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I don't always stop to look around. You know? <laughs> but I, when I went out before you got here, I was throwing some trash away. And then I turned around and I went, whoa, I didn't know it was a full moon <laughs> for Valentine's Day. We're actually recording on Valentine's yes. Day, folks. <laughs> so you know, as when you leave, look at it. Okay. Just take a moment and look how bright it is. And imagine if it was just completely dark. You know, actually there, full, yeah. but dark instead of light, you know, and that's what's going to happen. The moon shall not cause her light to shine. And God says, I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold. Can you imagine? There'll be so few men left after he's done. They'll be more precious than gold. Whoa. Uh, therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. That's why there'll be so few people left. If the earth is going to move out of its place, how would anyone survive that? I don't know. You know, if you took, I mean, let's say if I just took this glass of water and Mm -hmm. I shook it like that, water's going to go everywhere. (laughs) Well, imagine if that was the entire planet. If God grabs the earth and shakes it, what's going to happen to the oceans? They're going to slosh and shift and inundate mountains. Oh, my. That's going to be scary. And that's not going to be here for it. Yeah. No. Glad you're not going to be here for it. (laughs) Now, one more. We'll go to Joel chapter two. And that one's really um, that gets into some serious stuff about what's going on. In addition to everything we just read, Joel two, verse one. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. That's interesting. Did we read about a trumpet earlier? We did in the first verse, didn't we? When he talked about we shall all sleep, we shall not all be changed, at a moment at the sound of a trumpet. Yes. Okay. I was like, uh, no. (laughs) Well, trumpets were used um, in Israel uh, to assemble the camp, to assemble the host. Uh, Sometimes it was used to let the army know it's time to attack. Okay. So it's like a signal. Yeah, the trumpet wasn't like a Miles Davis trumpet. That's too cool. (laughs) Although it would be extremely cool if Miles was the one blowing the trumpet. Um, But in the Hebrew, it was the it was a ram's horn. It was called the shofar. So it was more like a you know instead of an actual cool Mm -hmm. Dizzy Gillespie thing. Um, But they uh, the trumpet sounds, and he says um, it's an alarm and sound an alarm in my holy mountain, which is Israel. I, I mean Jerusalem. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. So think about the trumpet and the beginning of wrath. So if there's a trumpet sounding when the rapture happens, it's like wrath is beginning and out we go. He's calling us, assembling us out of the world because we're about to pour wrath out. Yeah. So the trumpet must be, let's go, get out while the getting's good. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong, there's never, ever been the like. And I'm not going to take the time to read all about these people, but it's an army, it's a demonic horde of horsemen, flaming, burning, and flames before them, and they leave behind. You know, they enter a place that looks like the Garden of Eden, and when they're done, it's black, burnt to a crisp. Everything. Okay. So it's, uh, I won't go through every verse of that because it suffices to say that there's nothing good about the day of the Lord. 
at the beginning. Now, when he's done with it and he punishes the wicked, then he's going to set up his reign on the earth and we're going to rule with him because we come back with him. And that's another reason why we have to go out early because he's preparing us to come back with him. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to go back to that one again. Or, or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 1. I'll get it right in a minute. Chapter 1 and notice in verse 9. For the, uh, verse 10, rather, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So, Zena, that's three passages right there in Paul's letters we've read where we are saved from wrath through him, delivered from the wrath to come, and God hath not appointed us to wrath. At some point, you think maybe Paul was trying to get across the idea that we're not going through the wrath. Yes. <laughs> and if we're not going through the wrath, how are we going to avoid it? The rapture. The rapture. So interestingly, that very passage where he says, um, in, in chapter 5, where he said, we've uh, not appointed to wrath, and there's no need that I write you of the times and the seasons because you're children of light, you know? Well, right before he wrote those words in the previous chapter, he wrote this. Chapter 4, verse 13 of First Thessalonians. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now, sleep is a really interesting word because he can use it for many things. It could mean I'm asleep and I'm just, you know, not conscious. Mm -hmm. It could mean wake up, pay attention. Or it could mean you're dead. Yes. In this case, it's death. It's another usage where it's a euphemism for death. So he said, that's why I said, don't be sorry as those which have no hope. Meaning, if you know people that are also saved from wrath, that if that we would call them Christians, and they've already died, you're going to see them again. You, we mourn them because we miss them, but we don't sorrow as those who have no hope because our hope is we'll see them again. Yes. Right? So he says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Means we're going to see him again. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. And this coming he's talking about is when he comes to gather us. Because if we are alive and remaining all the way to the time he comes back in wrath in the day of the Lord, well, then we're going, we just went through wrath. Mm -hmm. Right? So we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And the word prevent there means it's like pre-event to go before. Okay. We're not going to go before them. If they've already died, they're going to go first. He says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Can you imagine? God shouting. A very loud shout. With the voice of the archangel. And maybe that's who does the shouting. Okay. The Michael. Michael the Archangel. <laughs> and then it says, and with the trump of God. There's that trumpet again. Mm -hmm. So the trumpet is the instrument. The sound it makes is the trump. So that's why it's called a trumpet. Okay. So you could have one trumpet play 10 notes, and the 10th note is the last trump. Okay. So he says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ, the ones asleep, shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, we're living, shall be caught up. And there's the word. It's not rapture in the King James Bible. It's caught up. Together with them, the ones who died. Yes. 
in the clouds, we go up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And that is a comfort because he's taking us away from the wrath. And we're going to see each other again. Yes, thank you, God. That's very nice of you. So therefore, the whole point of him writing this letter is to reassure these believers here at Thessalonica, you're not going through the wrath. You're going to be taken out of the way. Yes. And then here's the reason why. So if we back, uh, if we go to the next epistle, and we're trying to wrap this up. Uh, second Thessalonica, he wrote two letters to them. Because he wrote one, and he explained this. And I imagine when he was there, he told them too. And then he got word back, they're all panicked that they're going to go through the wrath. Yeah. They're going to see, they thought they missed the rapture and they're going to the day of the Lord. So he has to write them back to straighten them out. So he starts by saying in chapter one of the second letter, verse 10, verse seven rather, and you who are troubled, tribulation, rest with us. Now, what do you think about rest? I mean, you're done with your workout. You're done with your workout. You're relaxing. You're relaxing. Okay, rest. When are we going to rest? Rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Zena, that verse right there, does that sound more like the rapture or does it sound like the day of the Lord? Like the rapture. Wait. Oh. Well, think about it. Let me and let me do it again. Okay. Uh, when rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them. The day of the Lord is darkness and not oh, that's light. The day of, are you sure that's what you read the first? Go <laughs> I think what I did was I think I had you focus on the word rest. And you thought of comfort, and you yeah, thought of the rapture. Yeah, I was like, yeah, the rapture. I was yeah. like, wait a so minute. So I threw you a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good because that means, like, if the audience was listening, they probably did the same thing. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you did that because that means I needed to clear it up. You know? <laughs> I was like, but you said rest. You didn't say fire. <laughs> so, right. So in other words, he's saying you're going to get your rest when the Lord comes back. Because what? Because if right now, let's say, I'm, I'm going to use a, Terrible example, but let's just say you are a believer and the country gets so bad that they start persecuting Christians and killing them. And they catch you and they kill you. Oh, darn, I didn't want to die. They literally execute you for your faith. So you die, all right? And then sometime later the rapture happens and you go up in that new body. And then let's say other believers, like maybe by then you had kids or something, who knows? Mm -hmm. And they're believers. And they're still alive. And they've been mourning you all this time. And then uh, they go up too. So you meet in the clouds. Wow, it's a reunion. It's great, (laughs) right? And then you're thinking everything's great, but wait a minute. What about those people that killed mom? You know, and and you're saying, yeah, I want vengeance, right? Yeah. And you can't do it because we're human. But God says vengeance is mine. And so he says to you, Zena, sweetheart, don't worry. I got this. (laughs) Don't you worry. Or he says, hold my beer. (laughs) I got this. And so then he comes back with his mighty angels in flaming fire. And you're behind it on the horses going, wow, finally, there's the guy that did it. You know? <laughs> Get him. Right. And he says, and these people shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them believe in that day. And so we come back with him 
and he's going to be glorified, but it's after the bloodbath. It's after all, you know, whoever's left are going to be Israel and the believers that go into the kingdom. And they're going to see Christ and they're going to be amazed and they're going to see us and they're going to be amazed because they're going to go, wow, these are the ones he died for. And these are the ones who died for their testimony, yeah. whatever, you know. Now, uh, so that's what's coming and that's the wrath. So you could see if they thought they missed the rapture and this was coming, they were worried. Because they're thinking, I, and he's going to get me too, yeah. right? So he says in verse 1 of the next chapter, after he lays that out, now we beseech you, brethren. The word beseech is like, I beg you, plead with you. And by If I said, listen, uh, please don't leave tonight and drive home in this horrible storm, Zena, uh, because the road's out and we're afraid you're going to get washed away. Okay. I beg you in the name of the broken bridge, please don't go. All right. That's uh, me beseeching you. Okay. All right. So he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Well, when are we going to be gathered together unto him? In the rapture. Yes. When he comes back in vengeance, we're with him, but we're participating in the judgment. But this he's saying, I beseech you by gathering together unto him that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by word nor by, by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as though we wrote it, as that the day of Christ is at hand, the day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. He's saying, don't be fearful that the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, we'll get to that later, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, Antichrist. So something has to happen where there's a falling away, which we'll talk about, and then he's revealed the son of perdition. And the falling away literally is going to be when everybody takes the mark and worships him. We'll be long gone. Yep. So what he's trying to tell them is, hey, you're not going to be there because that day of the Lord's vengeance can't happen until these other things have to happen first. And you can't be around for that because these things can't happen. And as we're going to see in just a moment, we're the thing that's holding it back. So I just realized, Zena, that we are out of time, and I was going to make this a one-episode thing about the mystery of the rapture. <laughs> We're going to have to continue this next week. Yes, we are. So thank you guys for listening today. What we'll do is we'll continue this next week, and get because I've got more to cover than I could do in like five more minutes. So uh, you know, I don't want to wear you out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Zena, thank you for participating as always. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. As always, guys, thank you so much for coming and watching our videos every week. Please like, share, and subscribe. And comment down below something new that you've learned about the rapture or after watching this video, do you believe in the rapture now? Yeah, please let us know. And really, after the second episode, we should finish up everything. So if you want to write before, that's fine. But there's a good chance I might even answer the question in the second Very part, true. too. So, but write us either way. And thank you guys so much for listening. We're at 56,000 subscribers. Thank you, guys. So we appreciate all that. So till next time, take care. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com.
Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.